0: Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. I really make an emphasis on these two verses in this podcast as well as to our congregation because to me personally, I think that some churches over the centuries have totally disregarded the truth of the gospel, turning the church into something non-profitable for the kingdom of God. Paul is telling the believers in that ancient city of Ephesus, a great city known for many things, that there's a reason why God calls certain people into certain positions, and that is to prepare all of those, whosoever would believe in Jesus, to stand up and begin serving Jesus like Paul did and the rest of the apostles. And the word apostle, it means basically one who's sent, like an ambassador. Send out an ambassador to another country that represents your country. And the apostles, they weren't like these super-Christians. Rather, they were those who were equipped to do what God had called them to do, so that the church, the body of Christ, would be built up or edified. And that word "edify" in the original language, it has to do with architecture or building up a structure. And in a spiritual sense, edifying, like building up a structure, making it stronger and whole until it's complete, ready for the work it's designed to do, is to equip the believers with the knowledge and the passion and the power from God to do the work of the ministry, to glorify God and to spread the gospel. So if we who are called into the ministry as pastor-teachers do not give valid scriptural instruction to our congregation, then not only are we depriving them of what they need to mature as believers and take up their place in the kingdom of God, but also we're completely disobeying our responsibility in our calling, and that's scary. And when it comes to the topic of giving this again is my take on this issue and my conviction, and I'm sure this will really irritate a lot of people, but here's the bottom line. If you are giving to your church and you're not walking with Jesus, your money counts for nothing in the kingdom. On the other hand, if you're walking with Jesus, being led by the Spirit, then the money you already have belongs to Him anyway, and it's just a matter of you realizing where does He want you to put it, and then you make the decision. So, starting off, to make everybody angry, let's talk about the tithe. The word tithe means a tenth. So, we see in the Old Testament, Abram, whose name was later changed to Abraham, giving Melchizedek, the king of Salem and priest of God, a tenth of all. Now, Abram had just defeated an army and took spoil from them. The tenth that Abram gave Melchizedek, if you look in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 4, talking about Melchizedek, it says, Now, consider how great this man was to whom even the patriarch Abram gave a tenth of the spoils, or plunder. So that indicates the tenth of what he gave was from the spoils of the battle. We know that Abram was very wealthy and had so much stuff from his own servants, he fielded an army that defeated the enemy. He had a lot of stuff. Did Abram give a tenth of all of that as well? It doesn't say. But either way, this act of giving precedes the law of Moses given in Exodus. So the establishment of a tenth given to God precedes the law of Moses. Now, let's fast forward to the time of Moses, and the law is instituted by God, and the Israelites were required to give a tenth of what they had to God, and it was considered holy. It was to God that they offered up their tenth, not to the Levites or the priests. Leviticus 27.30, Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. So the giving of the tithe was actually an act of worshiping God, or at least acknowledge him as their king. Now, God would give the tithes to the Levites that they may be able to perform their services at the tabernacle or tent of meeting, which preceded the temple where the ceremonial sacrifices were made and and other ministry responsibilities. So God gave that tithe to them. Numbers 18, 21, to the Levites, I have given every tithe in Israel for an inheritance in return for their service that they do, their service in the tent of meeting. But remember, the tithe was to God. You are giving a tenth to God. It was only given to the Levites after it was presented to God as the people's act of worship and honoring him. So now let's go to the New Testament where observing the law was a point of contention and finally hammered out in Acts chapter 15 in what is known as the Council of Jerusalem in Acts 15:28, For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. And then they were sent off, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they Had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. So the big contention was do Gentiles have to start adopting Jewish things to become believers? And the answer that they gave was no. And the Gentiles were like, yes, we rejoice because they didn't want to become Jewish. They didn't want to get circumcised. They didn't want to go through all this stuff. And they didn't have to because it's not about what you do, it's about who God is. They could worship God in spirit and in truth, and that didn't mean they had to don the burden of becoming Jewish. The council had decided, what seemed good to the Holy Spirit, that the Gentiles do not have to practice Jewish customs. Notice there is no mention of the tithe here, nor is it mandated anywhere else in the New Testament for Gentiles to observe the tithing mandate. So that takes us back to Abraham before the law. Is there something in Abraham's giving that mandates the believer to give a tenth? I don't believe so. Rather, coming back to the New Testament, where the church is now driven by the Holy Spirit, I think there is instruction that's pretty clear directing the believer in this issue. And it comes out of 2 Corinthians nine six, where Paul says, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Okay, so let's break this down. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you're sowing sparingly, it means you're not giving a lot. And if you're not giving a lot, you're not going to get a lot. But notice that Paul does not condemn the person for sowing sparingly. He just simply says, hey, you get out what you put in. There's no mandate to give a certain amount here, rather, a choice to the believer. The second thing is this, let each one give as he has decided in his heart. Now, there is a radical statement. Let the individual decide how much he or she wants to give. That totally contradicts teaching from many pulpits today where the pastor tries to do the thinking for you. And I've seen this in person, and I've watched it online. I've watched videos of pastors who I respect, in some cases, put a major emphasis on you must give 10% of your income to this church, and then anything above that is your offering. And I'm like, where do you find that in the New Testament? You don't. No, this is the gospel. This is the freedom in Christ. Christ in me. He guides me. He tells me how to navigate the difficult issues in life, including giving. I don't need someone trying to coerce me into giving a certain amount of money to a certain church. Let God decide. And like my pastor has said for decades, God isn't going to go broke. He doesn't need your money. Giving is between you and God. And that just echoes in my mind every time I see this issue pop up. And God has blessed us in many ways in giving, and I find giving a blessing to do, and that was not the way it was initially. So what if a person led by the Holy Spirit now prays, and he's told that he must exceed 10% in his giving? Simple. They're led by the Spirit, so they know whatever God tells them, that's for the kingdom, and they shouldn't sweat it, rather obey. And if they're cheerful about it, praise the Lord, they give more. If they're not cheerful about it, they go back and pray, Lord, I'm not happy with this. And then it's a matter of trusting what God says and obeying him. And there have been times in my life where the giving was difficult, and I didn't have a cheerful heart about it, and I didn't want to do it. But I also had peace from God about it, so that that peace gave me the cheerfulness I needed to avoid feeling compelled. I knew God was doing the right thing by telling me this. I knew that trying to save up money and take care of myself was not God's plan for my life. I knew that he needed to humble me in some regard. So continuing on in the passage, for God loves a cheerful giver. If you go by the instructions of those pastors who demand 10% to your church, you may think God loves a 10% giver. But that's not what it says, is it? It doesn't say that God loves a 10 percenter. And this is exactly what I experienced as a new believer when I began to understand the blessing of giving. I was actually happy to put money in the box, but it wasn't anywhere near 10%. I didn't have 10%. We were paycheck to paycheck and could not afford 10%, nowhere even close to that. So I'm like, I don't have that money. When well, am I supposed to sacrifice my food or my car payment or my house payment? So rather than that, because of the instruction that I received out of the scriptures from my pastor, I was able to give a little what I could, and it pinched. It wasn't like just you know throwing a couple of coins in there. I gave towards like, mm. but you know what? My heart was joyful because God was doing great things in my life. And I really wanted to give. I just didn't have as much money as I wanted to give. But I gave what I had and I gave it cheerfully. And going back to verse 8, listen how many times the word all is used. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. God takes care of you, He can do what He wants, He can make it so you have all sufficiency in all things at all times. So, cheerfully giving faithfully brings out a heart of peace with God, and that's what we need to focus on. You can't buy a relationship with God with 10% of your income. You can simply receive and obey Him. And as believers filled with the Holy Spirit, we can discern our own path through this life with the help of God. We don't need others telling us what God requires of us, unless it's plainly written in the Scriptures. And that gets really crazy around premarital counseling when you're like the scripture says, do not be sexually immoral. So there's something that you are being shown in the scriptures that you don't like, but it's written right there and it's really clear. And that's why we study and we learn the scripture so we don't fall victim to people who want to rip us off. I have a good friend who's a godly man, really a neat guy, just really respect this guy. There was a technical job at a church that he was qualified for and he prayed about it and he really thought this was the place to go. So he went as one of the biggest churches in our area. And as a condition of employment, he had to allow them to deduct 10% of his check automatically every time he got paid. He no longer works there, by the way. But this is a big church. And he agreed to it. But if he refused, they wouldn't allow him to work there. He agreed to it. It was a condition of employment. And he did. And they got 10% of every check of his. Going back to Ephesians 4, where it says he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. We equip believers entrusted into our care to do the work of the ministry. This means they need to be walking in the Spirit, learning the Scriptures, and obeying the voice of God. And giving is a huge part of the ministry for a person. But mandating 10%, it is totally discouraging to so many people. And those who know the Lord and are comfortable with 10%, praise God, go for it. I have no issue with that at all. I went to a church kind of off the wall. I kind of wanted to check it out and see. And they were off the wall. And the whole thing was about money. So a new person that's coming into their building, wrecked lives, messed up, searching for God, what they get, they get a sales pitch. They don't get truth. And again, I think that's wrong. It also really works against the ministry, I think. It doesn't build up those believers. It tends to leave them in limbo, allowing the devil to come in and trash the church in their minds, trash God, trash religion, saying it's all about money. And sadly for many churches, it is. But there are still those churches out there that see the fallacy of making this an issue. Now, what's really interesting at our church, we've never had issues with money in the nearly 30 years that I've been there. It's been tight, but the bills have always been paid. We don't blow money on stupid stuff. We spend money on the ministry. And the giving over the years has always met the church's needs. And what's interesting is seeing the numbers at the elders' meetings of the the offering, When something is coming up that we can't foresee, the offerings start to go up, and we're like, this is weird, so we expect something. There's going to be a draw on the church's account. The numbers go up in giving, it's like, okay, this is weird, and then the need arises, and it's taken care of. If the money starts going up, it's like, okay, Lord, something's coming. And usually it does. And they're praying about it. They're getting direction from the Lord. And the next thing you know, there is something identified as, okay, we're going to do this. This is what God has said, but the money's already there. Because the people are giving cheerfully from their hearts. And when the Holy Spirit says, you know what? I want you to give more. And this has happened to me. It's like, okay, I give more. And what that does is that puts God back in control. That puts God at the center of your church. God's the provider. God is the one who brings the money in. So each one, every believer who is giving must give as he or she has decided in their heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. That means you're being compelled by somebody. Paul clearly says it. Do not give reluctantly or under compulsion. So if you're reluctant and you're giving going, man, I could really use this. I'm not happy about this, but here you're wasting your money. There's lots of places to give to do the work of the ministry. And I believe everyone should support their church financially if they can. No problem there. But I do not believe that 10% of your income is mandated in the New Testament that automatically goes to the church you're attending. That's my take. Thank you.